Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Brogan. For the last few weeks, we've been talking with the people who make us look good. Our guest this week is one of their number, Rosanna Volmerhausen, founder and chief stylist of DC Style Factory, a local business that helps people evaluate and improve their wardrobes. Sometimes that means uh, encouraging customers to audit their closets, uh, working with them to determine what should go and what they can put to better use. And sometimes it means helping them find newer, more flattering clothes. Volmerhausen shares her thoughts about working to meet clients' individual needs, helping them develop a personal sense of style instead of simply imposing her own taste on them. And in a Slate Plus Extra, Volmerhausen shares her thoughts on style in D.C. Is it really as bad as everyone seems to think? Volmerhausen has some thoughts. If you're a member, enjoy bonus segments and interview transcripts from working, plus other great podcast exclusives. Start your two-week free trial at slate.com slash working plus. What is your name and what do you do? My name is Rosanna Volmerhausen, and I'm the founder and chief stylist of DC Style Factory. What does that entail? What do you do as the chief stylist of DC Style Factory? I am the stylist of a personal styling company, and we style hundreds of men and women all over the DC area. Our clients are attorneys, folks on the Hill, all the way to stay-at-home moms, um, nonprofit heads. So we cover a wide range. How long have you been doing this? Seven years. Seven years with DC Style Factory. And then before that, we had, I owned a boutique where we styled people through the boutique. And that's really where I launched into this kind of world of fashion and style is really from the retail side. Had you been interested in fashion and style prior to making that jump? Absolutely. But, you know, honestly, I... I always thought it's always been a passion of mine, but it I always thought it would be a hobby, you know, something that I just enjoyed doing on the side, but that I, I'd always been conditioned to find um, something in life that would be fairly easy to get a job and support myself. And the, sort of the creative type of job wasn't something that I think was really pushed on me as a child. So I'd always kind of had little buckets and fashion was in the sort of, I I love this, I enjoy it, it's my passion side bucket. Mm-hmm. 
What do you love about fashion and clothing? Why are you passionate about this? I love the transformative nature of clothing, and I love how you can put something on and it affects how you feel. You know, you can walk out of the house, and when you feel really good about your outfit, it changes your perspective on the day. What made you feel that it was worth taking fashion seriously? So I'll start back at the boutique, you know, when I decided I would take this leap of faith and really turn my life upside down. You know, I had had jobs editorially up until that point, really just had a really stable, nice career in um, in this world. So I was in my 20s. And when you're in your 20s, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> so it was this situation where I felt you know, I'd met my business partner and we both had this interest in this passion and fashion. And we both said to each other, do, do we think we can make a go of this? You know, do we think we could try and do something in this world? And a boutique seemed like a logical place to do it, you know, retail. And we both had great knowledge when it came to brands. Our our boutique actually specialized in emerging brands. So that was really what we were about. You know, we carried rag and bone before, you know, they had a women's wear line. It was just men's denim. We carried band of outsiders when it was just the Oxfords and the ties. And to bring that to the DC market was exciting to us. We hadn't seen anything like that before at that point. Is that emerging fashion, those emerging brands, are those still uh, important to the kind of business that you do now? Yes and no. So we, most of our clients are, we meet a lot of our clients during transitional points in their lives, whether they're, you know, interviewing for a partner at a law firm, or they just had a baby, or um, divorce, you know, getting married, whatever, these transitional points. So for those different areas that we work with, we work with a lot of staple pieces, classic pieces that, and we work with budgets, you know, many different budgets. Sometimes the emerging brand is for a certain segment of the population that's really going to understand and get into fashion. But that's why we talk mostly when we talk to our clients and we describe our business. It really is about personal style. Mm. And the word fashion, that particular word, doesn't come into the conversation very often. Usually we'll start with essentials and then, you know, we'll introduce stuff that's a little bit different, that's emerging, that's going to add a little flavor. The anthropologist Dick Hebdige suggested that style was fundamentally an aberration, that it was not about staying on trend, but rather about disrupting norms. Is that something that, that people have to learn or do you have to get them to, to get comfortable with what's on trend first? So we talk to our clients. Obviously, we need to be educated about what is current, what is out there, what is hip. Uh, but we really encourage our clients not to just follow trends, but to really consider what works for them. We talk a lot about body type styling. So really what's going to work for their silhouette, um, for their lifestyle. Some trends may just not work. So yes, we want to disrupt a little. That's what makes style and fashion fun. But we also, we what we do with our clients, we want it to have staying power. We want them to feel comfortable in what they're wearing and that they're every day that they go to work or out with their families, that they feel really put together and they feel it's, it's authentic to who they are. 
what I bring to the table are little bits of knowledge about, you know, if we're going to do a pencil skirt for you, we really want it to hit right below your knee. And we wanted to taper a little toward the knee. We wanted to hit on your natural waist, you know, because of what your body shape is. That's going to be the most flattering. And we also bring to the table what's current, what's happening in fashion right now. And sort of clearing out some of the noise of pieces or trends that may not work for this particular client. But, oh, you might want to try this. This actually, I think, could really suit you. So we give them ideas because sometimes it can be confusing. You look at magazines and you look online and you're kind of wondering what you should try. What about you? How do you keep up with with trends and uh, brands and so on? What's your what are your go to sources? I, uh, you know, I feel like it's trite to say Vogue, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. But yeah, Vogue. (laughs) But I also do some other magazines like InStyle really takes a lot of the trends and you can kind of see them how they would work in everyday life, you know, which is very useful to us. I follow some great bloggers. And um, when I talk about style and fashion, a lot of times if I'm looking at a Vogue and we're looking at high fashion, stuff that's come out on the runway that maybe you're not seeing on retail floors yet, it just gives me an inkling of what I might see maybe even a couple weeks later. But it's not necessarily what I'm recommending right away to my clients. Presumably, especially not the runway stuff. Exactly. (laughs) So is there such a thing as a typical day for you? No. (laughs) When do you usually start? I start at 5 a.m. I wake up. I have three children. So I usually wake up before anybody gets up. And I work for a couple of hours. That's the time where I answer emails and try to get paperwork done. A lot of people think of personal styling as we're just rolling around in Gucci handbags and Chanel. Are you not? We are part of the time, but (laughs) there is, you know, there is an office work element to owning your own business and to doing this. So that's primarily when I get it done is are those early morning hours. We book our first clients starting at nine o'clock. So, um, so work for a couple hours, get the kids out the door and usually off to my first client. And that could be you know, at their home for closet work. It could be out shopping with them. It could be creating outfits. It could be, we have a variety of different services. So you work out of an office, but when you're actually meeting with clients, that's mostly on site. Absolutely. Them. I would say um, most of our time is spent out in the field. Mm-hmm. You must spend a lot of time traveling uh, around from location to location. How much of your day is that time in transit? I would say commuting. We usually meet with two. There's time for two clients, maybe sometimes three clients a day. And in between each client, there is an hour of commute. So three hours at least of driving. Are you usually able to find time for lunch, for self-care? Fast lunch. And we usually schedule it our weeks where clients are maybe booked up in one day, but then we'll put aside office days or stuff because there is paperwork to do. There's follow-up with clients. There's other pieces of the puzzle. And so there is time for that that we block off. How late into the evening does that paperwork, that that extra stuff take you? So I have a great system that I just implemented um, about a year ago. And I did used to do that late into the night paperwork. And 
I figured out that my productivity, once I hit a certain time at night, was just not good. It's once I put the kids to bed, I would hop on the computer and try to finish things. So that 5 a.m. wake up time, that's a lot of the time now that I get that paperwork done, like billing and, you know, all of those nuts and bolts, follow up with clients, social media. I'll take care of in that early morning hour. So I'm usually finished with a client by about five o'clock. So I'll work for maybe another hour and f- tie up any loose ends, and then I'm done. Do you have to think about the way that you dress when you're going out to meet with clients? Is your own look an important consideration? Yes, it is a consideration. We really we really are there for our clients, and we really are talking to them about their personal style, not what our personal style is. And what I like and what I would wear for myself in this situation does not matter. And what I bring to the table is expertise, knowledge about body types, silhouette, brands, retailers. That's what I bring. But it's really getting to know your client and what's going to work for them. So what I usually wear to a client meeting, it always has to, A, fit well, Um, And it should look modern, you know, and put together, but really just like a polished look that's maybe a little outside the box, Mm. you know, but um, I'm not going to show it up at a client in crazy distressed jeans and a t-shirt. It is still a professional environment and we're building that trust. Mm. So we don't want a client to look at us and say, are you going to dress me like that? You know, that's not me. We just want, we really want them to be the focus. And you want them to know that it's going to be their look that comes it's out It's going to be their look, yep. And, you know, they might like some elements of what I'm wearing, but the focus shouldn't be on what my style is. Do you, though, ever have a client say, I want to wear that, put your shirt all or the something time. like that? Yeah, all the time. Or I like your shoes, I like your blazer, you know, pieces. And that, I think, is helpful and useful because that helps me get to know what they like. But, um, but yeah, your our personal style when we're meeting with clients, especially that first time, I always say it should be quiet, you know, not this loud in your face style. Maybe for off duty, you go a little, you know, outside the box. But yeah, we really want to focus on who we're working with. Do you have a go-to super outfit for big clients or important sessions? Absolutely, I do. I usually will stick with tailored skinny pants or jeans, as long as the jeans are really dark and polished looking, and some sort of solid blouse, you know, could be a silk blouse and a blazer. And then I'll usually add in a fun piece of jewelry because we want our clients to know that, you know, we have fun with style, but the idea is that it looks really pulled together. And a lot of our clients are coming to us for that. I'm moving up in my career. I've been doing this for 10 years in terms of my look and my wardrobe, but I'm ready to step it up. I don't feel pulled together right now. And so that's where we step in. We give them the tools and the know-how to be able to do that. Can you describe (laughs) the, the kind of key items, though, of what you have on now? I'm wearing a fringed short sleeve top. Beautiful gray marled fabric. <laughs> yes. And I'm wearing sort of faded black jeans with a cropped flare, which is really hot this season, by the way. I did not know that. <laughs> You've been listening to personal stylist Rosanna Volmerhausen. In a minute, she tells us what it's like to dig through someone else's closet. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Can we talk about the the actual services that you provide to clients? What are your sort of key things that you provide? There's three things, three key things we provide. We provide closet work, which we call closet audit. We do personal shopping and then the personal styling, which is actually creating the outfits. So the closet audit is usually always where we start with clients. And it's that's that meeting at their home. And it's usually a three-hour block. And we go through their entire wardrobe. Is this a service that's common in your line of work? This is, yes, closet work is common in personal styling. Some stylists will just do the shopping, uh, but I feel you can't effectively do the shopping if you don't do the closet work first and know what your client has, what they've been doing that hasn't been working, and what they need. What do you do when you're going through someone's closet? What are you looking for? What kind of conversations are you having? We have three criteria when we're going through a client's closet. First, if we see something is worn, usually we'll like worn out and it really should go, then we'll suggest letting it go. The second thing, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit properly. We, if we think it can be tailored, we'll make those suggestions. If we think, you know, it's just not, it's not going to work, it's not worth the investment of tailoring, then we should let it go. So you're having them try things on as you pull them out. Absolutely. I joke that this job of mine is one of the only jobs, maybe besides like a doctor, where you meet someone and within 15 minutes, they're disrobing. <laughs> 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 but you also get to play dress up with them. That seems fun. It's super fun. And, you know, I have to say that the fashion and the style can always be learned, coached. But really that connecting with people is so important. You're in such an intimate space with them. You're in their homes. You're in their bedroom, usually in their closet. You're touching their clothes. You're going through their stuff. They have to trust you. They have to trust that you know what you're talking about and that you're there to help. How do you overcome that initial awkwardness? Um, 
we usually sit down first. You know, I don't jump right into the closet. So we usually sit down for 15 minutes. And it's a little bit of a get to know you session where I ask them about what they like style wise, their lifestyle, if they have kids, you know, some of those tidbits of personal information that help me understand what they need on a daily basis with their wardrobe. And it also breaks the ice. It gets them talking about themselves. What kind of response do you get from people when you start to say like, well, maybe this should go or, or this should go? It's a variety. It really is. Some of our clients are ready to purge and we're there to basically give them permission to let things go. They're already on that track. But then some clients really want a lot of information and discussion around why they're letting things go. Do you ever suggest that they throw something out and then realize that they have some sort of deep sentimental attachment to it? Sentimental clothing, we don't get rid of. And the only marker we put is we don't want your entire closet to be sentimental. Then we think, okay, there's probably a little bit of an issue there. Maybe we want to, but we're not there to force anyone's hand to let things go. We're there to provide ease to people's lives. So if somebody's resisting letting something go, We'll say to them, we're suggesting you let it go for these three reasons. But if you're not ready, that's okay. What we maybe can do is create a section of your closet that's stuff that we had suggested you let go and you think about it. See if you wear it in the next six months. And if you have it, maybe then at that point you can consider letting it go. Um, do you do a sort of second follow-up visit then down the road to see if they have let those things go? We do. We usually will always follow up with our clients. And after the closet audit, I would say 80% of the time, they'll go shopping with us. So that's another conversation we have is, oh, if we introduce some new items to your wardrobe that take the place of these older items that you're not ready to let go of yet, then at that point, you can let them go. So after the shopping, there will be follow-up where, okay, we've gotten you these pieces. Now we're making outfits. Are you ready now to let some of these other pieces go? So this may be because I have too many clothes in my own closet, <laughs> but whenever I do my own little mini audit. Uh, I can tell you like clothing. I do. <laughs> uh, whenever I do my own kind of audit, whenever I go through my own closet, I find that, that there are things in there that I maybe should be wearing but haven't worn for months or years in some cases. Do you ever help people rediscover things that might be better than they realize that are in their closets? Yes. We call those orphan garments. So they're garments that just kind of have been sitting there for a period of time, but you love them. You really love them and you want to wear them, but you maybe just can't figure out how to do it. So we have another service called Shop Your Closet, and that is when we come in and we work with what's in your closet and we create outfits and it is about that rediscovery and reinvention of what you already own. So we give you new ideas on how to style and mix and match and create outfits that you hadn't thought of. So with these closet services, what are your other kind of key pillars? Personal shopping. And that can look a number of different ways. But the most popular way is the in-person shop. The in-person is always a three-hour block. And the client is only present for two hours. We use the first hour to pull and set up fitting rooms. And we've done that the pre-work in the closet audit where we know exactly what they need. They've seen their list of 
missing essentials. So they know budget-wise what we're going to be going for, what we're going to be shopping for. And we know the brands and the silhouette and all that kind of good stuff that we're going to pull for them to try on. So it's a really streamlined way to shopping. Shopping can feel really overwhelming for a lot of people. You walk into Tyson's Corner and a lot of people just are lost. Where do I start? What do I choose? So what we do is we're almost tour guides (laughs) and we're helping you make smart decisions about your wardrobe. Do you have specific stores or or shopping centers or what have you that you have relationships with? We have good relationships with uh, a lot of boutiques in the area. We'll pull actually from boutiques and bring items to shopping appointments if that's something that the client wants. So we are definitely connected with many great area local boutiques. And I have to say the DC boutique scene, I've seen it really develop and it's grown and there are definitely some exciting retailers out there. So that's the first area we might tackle. We shop a lot at Tyson's Corner because time management, you know, they're paying for time. So we want this to be an efficient process. And so Tyson's has your Nordstrom, your Bloomingdale's, you know, where I can tackle all of those missing essentials in a really relatively short period of time. Where you're shopping and what you're shopping for is also, I assume, highly dependent on the client's budget, on how much they need, so on. Are those conversations about the financial side of things ever complicated or difficult? No. Um, The reason that is, is because before we do any shopping, we will send our client a style memo. And part of that style memo is a shopping list where everything is laid out and budgeted. And they have an opportunity to say, you know, I, I can invest more here or, you know what, I need to cut back here. And that dictates what brands I'm going to pull, where we're going to shop. So all that is vetted before we hit a retail floor. So no, there's never any of that that awkwardness because it's it's been talked about and you know when we work with clients we and we're shopping for them we're paying attention to their budget and at the end of fitting everything we're doing a little calculation for them to make sure that we've stayed according to their budget and it might be two sessions of personal shopping um, and then doing the outfit creation and we finish with a lookbook. So when we create outfits for our clients, they have the option of receiving a lookbook from us. And so that's, is that the third pillar of that's your services? That's the third pillar, yes. So we take pictures of every outfit we create for a client and it's a head-to-toe look, accessorized everything. And uh, we will put it together in a lookbook that you can fit in the top drawer of your dresser, take on travel, and it's all organized by uh, different areas of your life, professional, weekend casual, weekend going out. Some of our clients are on TV and need a TV section. So it's all organized that way. So you just flip through your lookbook really quickly, find an outfit, and you never have to wonder again what you're going to wear. Uh, how do you find new clients? What's the process of connecting with people? Referrals 
are our number one source of new client business. And if you think about it, our clients are kind of like our walking business cards because they look different. They're carrying themselves differently. And a lot of times their friends will ask them, hey, you know, you look great, you know, and they'll pass our information along. So referrals are huge. We also, we get great press. We get great local press and that helps as well. Social media, of course, is great for building partnerships and that gives us more exposure. Last year, we underwent a rebranding and we redid our website and we produced a brand video that really laid out for folks what we're about, our services, what we do. And I've seen almost a 20% increase in bookings just from that rebranding alone. So that has helped really cement who we are. When you're first meeting with a new client, do you talk over the phone or are you always having that first encounter in person? Always on the phone first. And if a client, for instance, sends, usually it'll be an email and we receive an email saying, I'm interested in your services and that's it. And so we schedule a time to talk. I We don't answer things over email in terms of services or pricing or any of that, of that stuff. We hop on the phone and we listen to our client, our prospective client. We ask them some questions, find out what they need, and then we can provide the appropriate recommendations and give them estimates and all that good stuff. If you have someone who comes to you who doesn't know much about dressing well, but maybe knows that they want to, how do you communicate with them uh, about the right ways to begin approaching that, to begin changing their mindset or, or otherwise thinking about getting it right? Most of our clients don't care. Don't care about fashion, but they know something's off. And they know, you know, there's something they could be doing that's more than what they're doing. And so when we come in, part of that process is educating and talking to them about why this matters. And we liken it to self-care. It's getting your hair done. It's getting your nails done. It's going to get your teeth cleaned. It is just part of the process of caring for yourself and understanding that what you wear sends a message. And that's that nonverbal cue that everybody sends. It says something about you. What are you saying with what you're wearing? And how do we want to tweak it? How do we want to make it more authentic to you? You know, there are certain uniforms for different places that you are in your life. What do you want to be wearing in those different situations? One of the ways that I think a lot of us will just start to form a basic connection with someone is you zero in on some article of clothing uh, or some accessory that they're wearing, something about their look. Uh, I like your shoes. I like your jacket. In your line of work where you're often responsible for totally revamping someone's look, if you don't necessarily find something to compliment on someone's look, do you have to look for other ways into conversations? I think there's always something, even if I've run into closets, people's closets before, where I really have felt we need to start over. You know, we need to start from the ground and build back up. Usually there is a grain of something in there that gives me information and it's positive information. It's not negative information, but there's something in there that tells me something about that person that we can expand on, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, um, 
even if it's something dated, you know, it, it tells me, you know, I had a client who had, um, she had kept some uh, Doc Martens, which are back in style, by the way. She had kept some Doc Martens from college and she was, you know, she they'd just been kind of hanging out, gathering dust. And yeah, she's she's a mom now and she's a lawyer and the Doc Martens don't really fit in her daily life anymore, but they still give me information. They give me information about who she is, who she was before kids, who she was before she was the lawyer. And um, we can kind of build on that. But maybe for today, I would make it a little more grown up, a little more sophisticated. Um, but it, it, But it does. It gives me information. So the closet itself is legible in some ways. It is. You can, it's like tea leaves. (laughs) At what point do you start sizing up someone's look or thinking about how to change them for the better? It's in that first meeting that the, I should say that first in-person meeting, they do get an email from us where they're encouraged to think about their personal style. And just so when we meet in person, at least it's something that they've been considering, you know, who do I like? Maybe some famous people. You know, I like the way she puts herself together. So they start thinking about that. But really, when we meet someone in person, that's when the conversation happens about, what do you like? And we'll throw descriptors out at them. We'll show them pictures and we'll even create mood boards with them just to really get to what they like and what their personal style is so that we can make the right choices. If someone comes to you with, with a specific uniform, say, say a, someone at a law firm and they say like, I really want like three pleats on my pants uh, or otherwise <laughs> says <laughs> says something that that just doesn't quite really fit what you think will look good for them, what you think will look good in that environment? How do you convince them uh, that what they want is not necessarily what's right for them? Yep. First of all, I'm really passionate about about pleats pleats (laughs) and ridding the world of pleated pants for men. (laughs) So so delighted to hear that. (laughs) So there's always going to be a conversation with our clients. We're not there to just lay down the law and just dictate without taking into consideration what they like and what they feel comfortable in. So I'll give you an example. Any woman over 35 is going to start to have comfort and foot issues. She's going to tell you right off the bat, you know, I like those cute shoes, but I'm not going to be able to wear them. I'm not going to be able to wear them for six hours a day. And that needs to weigh into what we choose for our clients. I'm not going to choose a four-inch stiletto. I'm going to choose her the next best thing. You know, I'm still going to get a cute shoe, but I'm going to take into consideration that it's got support. Maybe it isn't, you know, exactly visually the most fashion-centric shoe, but it meets her needs and it still looks polished and put together. Because so much of what you do is about being attentive to the specifics of someone's um, body, um, you're you're going to be treading, I, I assume, in, in really sensitive territory uh, a lot of the time, areas where people may have all kinds of complex feelings that they bring to the table. How do you negotiate those sorts of feelings when you're working with someone? We really take judgment out of the process. And how we do that is how we describe people's bodies. You know, we, the vocabulary we use 
isn't judgmental vocabulary. So for example, if I have a client who is self-conscious about, let's say, her hips, you know, we will say, you know, your body type is your curvier below the hips. The best way that we're going to approach it is by making sure your blouse hits really at your hip line. And what that's going to do is it's going to balance your silhouette. And that's really what we do with clothing too, is we kind of create this hourglass, for women at least, we create this hourglass silhouette that pretty much no woman has, but we can create it with clothing. And it's just balancing that silhouette. It's almost like a little bit of an equation. You know, we're going to draw attention up or we're going to draw it down to balance your silhouette. How often do you see a client once you've started to establish a relationship with them if it's going to be a recurring thing? Typically, that first time we work with the client is the most labor-intensive period because we are doing their closet. We're really starting fresh with them. So the shopping is a little more, their closet work, everything's a little more. But then with regular clients, I'll see them usually at the season changes. So twice a year. We're just now in our craziest time of year, which is fall, because the seasons are changing and people are like, oh, I might need some new pieces. And Those appointments are about refreshing. So we do a a quicker consult with them, and then we schedule the shopping. And it's really about adding pieces that are going to refresh and reinvent what is already in their closet. It sounds like the pricing of your services is dependent on what you're actually doing. So it, it varies from client to client? It does. It's you know, we've been doing this for so long, we can give clients an estimate on the full spectrum if they want to know that or each particular service. But we do charge hourly. And what that does is it gives our clients some flexibility. Everybody's got a budget. Some of our clients have um, an infinite budget, you know, and some of our clients really need to be very careful with where they spend. And they want to work with a personal stylist, but they need to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. So they can book services in chunks and hire us for a couple hours to do the first session and then maybe a couple hours a month later and really just kind of tailor the experience to what they need and really what their budget constraints are. When you're out shopping for someone, uh, who pays for the items that you end up purchasing? Is that something that goes on a corporate card and that you then get reimbursed for, uh, or does the client pay? The client pays. The client, if we're in person, they're they're going to pay right away for their pieces after we've gone through what pieces are going to stay and which which pieces are going to go back. They'll go ahead and check out themselves. So they'll pay. If we're shopping for a client, um, which is when we actually go out to the retailers and shop and bring to the client's home the pieces that are off of their list so they never have to set foot in a retailer, that we also will have the client's credit card for that. And there's a number of steps we have to take, obviously, to make sure that that is secure. The internet increasingly has a lot of uh, business models of fashion industry business models that are built around providing similar services remotely. Do you feel any pressure from those kind of businesses as they've started to develop? I don't. I think what we provide is a little bit different. And a lot of those businesses, they're designed to retrofit fashion and style to different people, but it's very formulaic. So 
what we offer that's a little different is that human connection. And we really are there for our client. And we're providing this really specialized service to them, which you really can't get with those internet services. I will say, um, it's kind of funny, sometimes my clients will order from those services, and will make an appointment with me to review (laughs) (laughs) what they've gotten from those services. (laughs) So some internet stylist sent them five things and you have to decide which two to keep. Exactly. What's the most satisfying part about doing this work for you? our clients' reactions. And I've been doing this long enough where I have some clients that I've worked with through so many different uh, momentous parts of their lives from their wedding to their first child to a promotion at work and really seeing the evolution of their style through those different changes in life and really being a small part of their journey. That for me is the most gratifying part of my job. As you work with someone over the months, seasons, years, do you ever find that they start to acquire their own sense of style that that they're weaning themselves from from you? Some do. Some some of our clients, I mean really what we I'll have some clients where we go through the whole wardrobe overhaul and I won't hear from them. They're they feel pretty good. They've gotten some education on the brands that work for them. They don't need to reinvent the wheel every season. They know, oh, this brand and this size fits great and I love it. So they go back and repeat, you know, the next season or if something's worn out. So there are those clients and they might what'll happen is sometimes they'll come back when something's happened. You know, oh I've I've lost some weight, you know, things just aren't fitting. I need I need to refresh again. So that is one type of client. But then I have a lot of clients. We have a um, stylist on call package for our clients who really like to keep in touch with us, who, you know, even though we've done the lookbook and all of that work together, they still want to make sure, do these shoes go with this dress? And that sort of question. And they send you like a cell phone picture or something? Exactly. They send us a selfie and they get immediate feedback. So they have a stylist really at their fingertips at all times. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you have for someone who wants to get into styling? Not that we're looking to create competitors for you, but but if someone was like, I want to do this, where would they begin? We get that question all the time. I probably get... I probably feel 10 emails a week from different people who are interested in being a personal stylist and want to shadow us or want to know how do I start. And I always think a great place to start is on the retail floor. That's where I started. I started in retail. And what that did for me is it gave me invaluable experience in customer service and really working one-on-one and really trying to read people and understand what their needs are and trying to meet those needs. So I always say, you know, there's no better training ground than the retail floor if you want to get into this business. Um, I think one of the misconceptions, and I mentioned this early on, about personal styling is that it is um, champagne and caviar, and we're just shopping, and it's It is. It's great fun, but I don't want to lose the fact that there is that human element to what we do. We're not talking about New York Fashion Week here. We're talking about real people, their style, and how that impacts how they move forward in their lives. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan, and I own way too many clothes. 
We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Our email address is working at slate.com. We read those emails and we'd love to hear from you. You can listen to all of our past episodes at slate.com slash working. Working is produced and edited by Mickey Capper, who will be updating his wardrobe any day now. Thanks to Caroline Cunningham at Washingtonian, who helped us find Rosanna Volmerhausen. Our executive producer is Steve Lichtai, and the chief content officer of the Panoply Network is Andy Bowers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.